guys, welcome to Bombshells and Blue Shells, the podcast spin-off of the website bombshellsandblueshells.com. I'm Alex. And I'm Alex. And today we are going to be continuing with our Grimfest review. So we've done Thursday and Friday and we're going to start off with our Saturday at Grimfest. So Saturday is a long day. I mean... It's a bit of a stretch. You were in college the day of Saturday? <laughs> the day of the Saturday. The day of Saturday. Yeah, I was in work for the morning, so uh, we missed the first two films, which were Tone Death and Why Don't You Just Die? And uh, I'm not, I don't know much about Tone Death, but I mean, I'm very sad that I didn't get to see Why Don't You Just Die? as the Russian film that a lot of people were talking about. Um, so hoping to find that kind of online or something sometime soon. Uh, hopefully there'll be a VOD or something. Um, it was directed by Kirill Sokolov. Um, and it's just been really, really heavily praised for its kind of special effects and its cinematography and just the overall look of it and things. So I think it's one we should definitely, definitely try and catch. Yep. Yeah. We also um, missed Asparagus Tips, which was a short that a few people uh... were saying was really funny as well. So that was... Um, Directed by Sam Bailey. I forgot all about that. Asparagus tips. I just really wanted to see that one. So we started off this Saturday with the shorts program uh, around half two. There was eight in total. We did miss one, unfortunately. Uh, Stop, which was a US one, kind of a social commentary. Two black men are pulled over by a ego-tripping police officer. And we can see where that one's probably leading to. Um, we had Changeling, uh, which was UK. Changeling, which was UK. Glowing was Dutch. Feed Me Death, which was a US. Uh, Bedtime Stories was Spanish. Third Hand was uh, UK. Turn was Finnish. Icelandic. Icelandic. And Finnish. And Finnish. Um, and Limbo was another Spanish. All the shorts were quite interesting, but there were some definite, definite standouts. Uh, I think there was maybe three or four that really stood out. Um, first one being the third hand, which was the UK one. And this was about an office worker who kind of discovers a photocopy machine that can photocopy anything. Uh, it was very much 90s stylized. It was difficult to pinpoint the exact kind of era this was set in. I think, yes, the machine was the 90s. Vending machine was probably late 80s. Mm. The individual that was involved in it was probably early thousands. It was, it was, I think yeah. it was purposeful to say this was a relatively timeless short. Yeah, they used different kind of aspects from different eras and things like that, but kind of... Yeah. There was a little Q&A with the director and I think a few of the films that were mentioned were like Fight Club and being John Malkovich and you can kind of see where that insane office, you know, kind of environment comes from there and the way they were dressed and things. Yeah, it, it was it's certainly an interesting film. Um, 
certainly carried a bit of a punch from a gore aspect. I'm not necessarily sure. A surprising sure that, punch, yeah. Yeah, I'm not necessarily sure that it kind of flowed with the overall story arc but for me it was one of the better of the eight films that oh, were on definitely, there tonight. definitely um i really really enjoyed bedtime story as well that was the spanish one that was um kind of a ghost story that starts off a single mother and her two sons the older brother is as many older brothers are want to do um scaring the shit out of his younger brother with a story about the witch that lives in the apartment block opposite them and is always in her window staring at them. Um, And this, I thought, was, especially in comparison to something like The Third Hand and things, which was a lot more sci-fi, 90s New Hollywood, this was kind of old-school gothic almost. Still a modern setting, but... Oh, I'd I'd go with that. Mm. Kind of that... Del Toro gothic yeah. era. I didn't want to say Del Toro just because it was Spanish. I'm like, does anyone else do this that's not Spanish? But it was. It was Del Toro fairy tale, wasn't it? But it was. Or Issa Lopez. You know, yes. you could turn around and say Tigers are not afraid kind of aspect of it. Mm. it, it it's, it's got a bit of a gothic era, a gothic feel to it. Yes. Mary Shelley. Yeah. You know, that kind of storyline where there's... It is more of a ghost story, a traditional ghost story than yes. any of the other films that we've watched this entire weekend. And fact. I did enjoy it. Had like uh, it did bring some jumps. Um, there's there seems to be a running theme in a few of the films we've watched recently with naked old ladies. I mean, did you sleep through it, Chapter Two? <laughs> Some sexy boobs. <laughs> All about them naked old ladies. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I thought that one was really well put together, really nicely done short. The next one that really kind of caught my eye was um, Tan, and that was the am I Icelandic? No, no, the wrong Icelandic way around again. Finish, Icelandic yeah. finish. I can say either, so I'm correct either way. A group of friends excuse me <laughs> oh dear me a group of friends head up to an Icelandic cabin and from there it takes a significant sci-fi slash time loop yeah this was another one that kind of lent into the sci-fi didn't it I wasn't entirely convinced I knew what was going on at any point to it for me it was sci-fi I think a few other people that we've spoken to that weekend said it was a time loop experience Uh, I can only comment from my perspective it was interesting to see it was very visually uh, pleasing Yeah, I I think Maybe just because the landscape, the almost 30 days and night aspects of it where it's got a a never-ending twilight feel Mm. to the entire film makes it quite appealing. Completely Uh, isolated cabin. It makes it quite exotic. Yeah. We don't get a never-ending twilight in England and that's just Mm. the thing. But I think for me, the entire... Uh, arc of the individuals that are involved in the film and the way that they are then portrayed 
and developed to make you believe that they may or may not be those individuals throughout the rest of the film yeah it's very very interesting kind of a like you say timey-wimey doppelganger loopy thing which uh timey-wimey spacey-wacy thing timey-wimey spacey-wacy thing um which lent itself really well to Again, the the isolated cabin in the woods has been done so many times that if you're not going to bring something new to it, then don't touch it. Do you know what I mean? So I think 10 did bring something new to the board and this was another F-rated short. So it was a lady strong short. It certainly was. And the uh, the last film that I think we're going to talk about is a, a film called Limbo, mm. which uh, Alice is going to take you through right now. <laughs> yeah, this one confused both of us. Um, I was heavily confused, which is why I'm not involved in this bit. <laughs> You still need to be involved. So this is a, a Spanish film, um, and it kind of... Limbo as a title makes more sense the more I think about it and things like that. Like, this kind of idea of a state where you're perpetually stuck in things uh stuck in maybe one of your worst moments and this one has a bit of a loop to it as well there's a there's a loopy theme um or a (laughs) regenerative theme and things in a lot of these uh it's kind of i wouldn't even want to go into what the story actually is because i think that is almost for you to kind of watch yourself for you to see and to get what you figure yourself out of it but the rapid fire kind of editing the use of really kind of loud and uh, intrusive sounds and things like that that just kept screeching at you every time you were lulled into calm it screeched uh, and things so that the sound design and the editing were just really good on this story-wise not a pissing clue. Would would have to watch it again and kind of, you know, take it in a little bit more. It was only 15 minutes, but somehow it still mashed my brain. Um, but I just thought visually it was one of the most intriguing. Again, dealing with a big chunk of violence, but in a very different, less stylized way than something like The Third Hand. And you're still just looking at me like you've watched this film for the first time as I've described it to you. I have honestly no recollection of that <laughs> But that was the shorts programme that introed us back into our first weekend day of uh, Grimfest. After the shorts programme, we moved into our first feature of the day, which was a 4.30 showing of Arctic. This was its... Um, UK premiere, it's an American film. It's directed by Tom Butchill or Butchai. Tom Butchai. Tom Butchai. Tom Butchi. Tom Butchi. Tom Butchai. I'm going to go Butchi. Butchi! So it's directed by Tom Butchi. So this was his first feature film, and we were really, really excited by the kind of concept of this one. This is was sold to us as a comic book obsessed serial ki- killer. Killer? <laughs> Tequila. Tequila. Um, a comic book obsessed serial killer teaches his son how to get away with murder uh, until this boy kind of befriends a mysterious man who finds out, like, kind of takes the young boy 
uh, known as Boy Adam under his wing. I I was very very excited going into this one. I mean, the yeah, I was excited as well. You read the, the way, description, and you, I was the way super you excited. Described it then. Doesn't sound a hundred percent accurate. Like the actual film. No, it's not. That's. I think that was the problem, wasn't it? Like, it started off, and the director was there, and he was really lovely and super excitable when he introduced the film. There was so many Easter eggs, apparently. Yeah, we had to keep our eyes out for all the comic book Easter eggs, and I was ready to get my nerdy horror on. Like, I, I, I was ready to spot them all. I was like, I probably won't get them all. I'm not that great, but you know, there's got to be a few that I pick up on, and then there was a Loki head on a dartboard. That's about all I got. So unless that wasn't these were some, Easter egg. I mean, it was just like a Loki head and a dartboard. There was a Loki head and a dartboard. <laughs> but that's... it wasn't like the guy was wearing Loki head. It like or, or, his like horns. horns. I don't know. It just didn't make any sense. But maybe there's some that we just didn't get. Or I, I really don't feel like there was, and that isn't a. It's it's not an observation as to the overall film because I don't think it was. The worst film I've ever seen this oh, year. Oh, 100% not at all. It wasn't However, even a bad film. No, but it, there were certain aspects of it that I thought didn't need to be hyped up and I thought were hyped mm. up for the wrong reasons. Yeah, that's the problem. You told me serial killer obsessed with comic books and I expected something between kind of, I don't know, uh, Dexter, The Boys and Brightburn. It was like Maniac Crossword. Brightburn, uh, you know, yeah. some, some, someone unhinged. But with an obsession that well, leads them to do exactly. certain types of things. So. And to me, there was none of that. Well, like I said, so the the main guy, um, Arctic, that should have been a lot more apparent. So the, the dad... I can see why it wasn't. <laughs> the dad, Arctic... Um, He's got lots of comic books and all that kind of stuff. He talks to his son about, like, the righteous hero and finding... He... he, Again, I don't even really get necessarily what it's doing. It's as if he's trying to find the most righteous man who will take on this superhero mantle. But to find the righteous man, he's just going to possibly kill a few of them because they, they don't last long enough. Like, the righteous man must withstand torture... I don't understand his motivation throughout that's, this entire film. That's the problem. It's a well kind of a well thought out idea in parts and then in other parts it's just like, oh but that looks cool. Oh but just do that. It felt a little bit like there wasn't a completed character in Arctic who is obviously he's not our main, so Halton is uh, he works at like a chop shop or something like that. Uh, near where this where boy Adam lives and boy Adam comes across him and things um but he's had a terrible he, he um he works at a chop shop and yes. uh boy Adam is graffiti is graffiti in the wall yeah and that's how they meet and mm-hmm. it's a very by chance arrangement yeah. but Holton with his kind of past that we find out about he's going to these groups and things so he was obviously had a bad childhood and things like that he sees something in boy adam he kind of sees the look that boy adam has as something that he remembers from his childhood so we get a very quick bond between the two he becomes yeah, quite protective it very much states that he has potential to be a contributing 
human being as opposed to somebody that's yeah like his circumstances Holton has proven his circumstances don't define him and he wants to help boy Adam do this yeah Um, and we get this kind of this horrible family set up with brutal dad and kind of slave driving very uncaring mom she she doesn't really give the kids they don't really have names and they mostly just do chores and they live mostly in a barn they're locked in a barn they're in locked a barn. in a barn they mostly live in a barn they, they are locked in a barn <laughs> they don't have any names no they are just boy and girl I There's mean, no I feel girls. like you're underestimating this the scope of I'm, the neglect. I, I, I the, thought the she children. was my hero. I, was... I don't know how your childhood was, but... <laughs> I mostly lived in a barn. I mostly lived in a barn, and I had only one letter for a name. These fuckers have got five letters. <laughs> but yeah, the, so they sell us this really awful household, this kind of, you know, very... I don't even know. Like, it doesn't even feel like they're parents. They just they have children. There are children there. There's a big difference in there between being a parent and owning a child. Because they keep saying that as well. That's a weird thing. Where's your owner? They refer like Holton refers to Boy Adams' parents as like his owner. I feel like it was based on a universe. And I say universe, well, yeah, very, like there was very, something else. very, very broadly, because everybody's talking about fucking universe. We can't have this in every episode. But I feel like it is based on someone else's story or mm. a larger world that is like a dystopian future whereby people are honestly going... I own this child, or... Yeah. Because it, it really did not, to me, feel like an accurate representation of how anybody would treat no. another individual. It was. It's like being dropped into... Is that into, on purpose? Am I missing something there? I don't know. It, it's it, That's what I was thinking, like, when you watch films like The Road, and it's they call him Boy, it's this kind of post-apocalyptic world that is so clearly kind of signposted for you and you get a little bit of backstory and you know what the threat is and things. You get a bit of like the backstory of what the world actually is and maybe kind of it's clearly shown that something has changed as far as social dynamics whereas in this it just looks like a heavy stylized modern world but with a big dude who likes to kill people calling your parents owners kids that live in barns and no one really seems to give a shit I I felt like it was juggling too much yeah I felt like I'd missed the prequel I just didn't get it I mean now I think about it outside of the context of watching this and then giving giving it a rating Mm. during the film Uh, sorry during the film during during the watching of the film uh, I find it difficult to understand what the motivation for any of the characters were no and that's that was confusing and I think again never like there's nothing to say that this is even a bad film do you know what I mean it's not a bad film it's confused it has a weird story 
it's still very visually beautiful. There's still a lot there that could be worked upon, I think. It's not going to hit, you know, like the worst list of the year because, goddamn, there's been some stinkers this year. But it just didn't seem to know, or I didn't seem to know. Like, if anyone would like to explain to me, and I'm sure there are people out there that could, and please do explain what was actually going on. But I think without deep diving into it, you know, as a general audience member going into this film for the first time, I just don't think it fully made sense or realised its own ideas. I'm honestly struggling to really fight in the corner for this film. Mm. It didn't explain why it's set out to be in the dystopian well, it didn't, future. It didn't, it didn't, it there didn't. was nothing that told us necessarily it was dystopian because it was set somewhere so the rural. Language, the language well, that's, was yeah. extremely dystopian. Yeah, but that was also just extremely stylized from the, the the eyes of a serial killer. Do you know what I mean? This strange Texas Chainsaw family kind of thing. I just... Yeah, I know we tell films but, off for being too on the nose, but I don't know, a bit of nose wouldn't have hurt this. Yeah. I didn't get it. I didn't get it. But, no. yeah, you know, I, I sat down after this watching this film with people in the bar, had a conversation with them yeah. and defended it. And now that I talk about it out loud, <laughs> like, about oh, what actually happened in this film, I have absolutely no idea why I was defending it at the time because it seems extremely difficult to do so. Mm. I guess, like I say, it it's maybe trying to do this dystopian kind of uh, future, this maybe sort of archetypal good versus evil, you know, the purest of pure as far as Halton and the worst of the worst as far as Arctic, but I think it, it had a little bit too little explaining that or too little giving that story over to us. There was no us. suggestion. There was no, like, inferring... Of yes. these things, it was very literal, mm. and I think that went a long way to go. Uh, okay, went a long way to go right over my head. So I'm bored now. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I was gonna say it didn't necessarily bore me because there was enough visually going on that kept it interesting, and it looked very pretty, and it was very well shot, but. Every now and then I'd then go, that was a really cool scene. What, what does, what's going on now? What does it mean? Um, So it it did, it lost me a little bit, which is why it got my lowest rating, a three. What did I give it? You also gave it a three. Oh, okay, that's cool. So, I was worried yeah. I gave it a four. No, it doesn't. It doesn't I was go seriously worried. I gave it a four. <laughs> it doesn't go under a three, um, because it still was a, a very kind of visually interesting film. I think almost its own selling points are what put me off because you tell me serial killer horror with a comic book edge. And I am going to expect... It's the same thing that happened with, like, Brightburn and things. You tell me horror origins of dickhead Superman, and I'm going to expect more than you're probably going to give to me, unfortunately. But if you are interested... nothing but that. But if you're interested in checking this out for yourself, 
It has been released on DVD and VOD already, but not in the UK as far as I could tell. So it came up on Amazon, but as unavailable to me. So I don't know if that's a UK-based thing. Um, but if I do find it, I will put it in the show description and things. So you can maybe watch it and tell me what the hell happened. <laughs> We followed that on with our second feature of the night, uh, the seven o'clock screening of Extraordinary. And this was the English premiere. It's an Irish film. So obviously I think it had premiered in Ireland. So this was its English um, premiere instead. This is directed by Micah Hearn and Enda Lohman. And they've worked together on two other shorts and things like that. So they're a bit of a duo. Uh, they worked together on The Hatch and Mr. Foley, which sounds really good. It's about Foley sound design and things like that. So we need to check that one out. Oh, 100%. Um, yes. Not about Mick Foley. Yeah, that's a shame. <laughs> this film is about Rose, a driving instructor whose real ta talents lie in her supernatural ability to speak to the dead. Uh, she has what her father penned as a talent. She just kind of, she gave up the talent after a traumatic experience. And now she just wants to live her life happily, find her a nice man. She finds one. Unfortunately, he's being haunted by his dead wife and his daughter is about to be sacrificed to a satanic cult. Um, that's kind of the basics of Extraordinary. Everything around that story is just the pure, pure magic. Yeah, Extraordinary was totally a standout film for the weekend. It had the perfect mix of relaxed humour and absolutely hilarious moments at point. Knew when to take the mick out of itself. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely, ideally. And uh, yeah, altogether never took itself too seriously no <laughs> could not be accused of that yeah i think this was when we mentioned earlier would it have been yeah in the last episode possibly um with like a serial killer's guide to life and things and those little segments in the middle um they had that in this with rose's dad who was like a paranormal expert and things and they kept showing clips from his show and things like that talking about these different talents and I just thought it was so funny. It it kind of knew exactly what it needed to be. This is one of the films that weekend that had its tone and it had it nailed down. Yeah, a very strong, um, very strong feel of Garth Marenghi's dark place. Very, very dark strong feel place. of Toast of London. That kind of dry, mm. very off the cuff kind of humour. Uh, it crowd. It was a it was kind of Chris. Uh, what's his name from Brass Eye? That Chris the, Morris. Yeah, Chris Morris. Kind of dry humour, while yeah. still making a little bit of a point. No political undertones here. Just no, a lot just of, a lot of dry humour. Yeah, a lot of really like um, the director kind of introduced it and things like that, and was saying, "I hope you get the Irish humour." And I think the entire audience got the Irish oh. humour, like. It's that idea of what if you combine Derry Girls with Ghostbusters and it was Wow, yeah, that's, a really, good, that's a really good statement. Who did you steal that from? I mean, that's, that was a... I did that myself. Bullshit. <laughs> that is a brilliant statement. That's a good observation. Aww. 
You're cute. <laughs> Fucking robbed it. I didn't rob it. Liar. Oh, God. Google it. Um, but yeah, there was just a brilliant, brilliant cast behind it. Um, Maeve Higgins, I've not seen her in anything, but she was Rose and she just played it perfectly like this leading lady while being the most unconventional oh, fuck you. leading I lady. Derry Girls after it because there's few people from Derry Girls in it. Oh, there is, yeah. Yeah? Tell me who they are because you know so much about Derry Girls. He's doing, <laughs> doing a really happy tit dance right now. <laughs> um, don't be mean. This is our podcast. The laughs are for both of us. I'm editing this bit out, you're a prick. That's fine. Um, yeah, so Maeve Higgins was Rose. I've not seen her in anything else, I don't think. No. Um, Barry Ward played Martin Martin. Martin Martin. <laughs> Martin Martin. Uh, I think he has been in a few things, but didn't really recognise that much. But I think the big name in this, and the kind of surprising for the Irish uh, tone, was Will Forte, the SNL alumni. Uh, he played Christian, the the oh, one hit wonder. Yeah, of course. Yeah? Everyone's like favourite dad. Don't recognise the face. Yes. He was the, was, he was he the was dad in Book Smart. He was the dad in Good Boys. He was the dad in Good Boys. He is. And Book the, he's just everyone's favourite dad in this. He's a prick, but that's a different matter. <laughs> but the best still, kind um, of prick, yeah. Who was the? There's the um, Australian woman who was in Festival. Is Festival a film? I'm not sure. With the guy from. In between us. Oh, yeah, Not yeah, Not Will, yeah. the other one. That's yes. Sam and Bird, isn't it? It's the other one with, it was in Fresh Meat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean now. Festival, it wasn't very good. It had like... Did it have no fielding in it? I feel like it was a fielding thing. I think he sold t-shirts, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he sold t-shirts there. It was very well. cross-dresser? I think. Eh, or was that another person that I thought Looked like no fielding. <laughs> anyway, that's not the point of this. But the Australian, but she, she was in that, and she, I thought she was a very good supporting actress in that as well. Actor, actress. What? what is who is she in this? Thing to say nowadays. Uh, she is the wife of. Oh, Forte. she. She's his wife, Claudia. She's her Claudia. name is Claudia O'Doherty. I'm gonna. I hate that I pronounce Irish Sorry, names so wrong. But that's the actor's name, and then she plays Claudia Winter in the oh, thing. Okay. So it's okay. a Claudia and a Claudia, like Martin Martin. Um, oh, but yeah, Will Will Forte is Christian, like the one-hit wonder, washed-up rock star who wants to kind of revitalize his career with a. Even like he's on the phone to his manager or something that he's like, yes, yes, don't worry, I've got all the things sorted for the ritual. We'll have our next number one single soon. Like it's just got to the point where selling your soul to the devil is easier than creating a good song. Um, Absolutely, he uh, he embodies the role so perfectly. For mm. he really does um, with his locating stick. For, oh, uh, his virgin locating stick. I this think, stick yeah. locates virgins. <laughs> I mean, you don't really need to say any more than that. No, no, not without giving too much away. As I say, it's it's not so much that you can give things away too badly as far as the narrative of this. I don't think. Um, but but it's, what was the budget of this? Because I don't it, know. It felt extremely low, but and extremely high hard. all at the same yeah, time. It hard to be extremely low. Um, it must have been a relatively decent budget. Five million? Ten million? I don't know. I'll have a little look. I can't imagine it was too low sort of thing. Like, I feel like it needed enough to get kind of the cast yeah, and things. Yeah, I mean, but... you're not looking at one cut of the dead, but you no. are talking about... They have some sets. Like, they, they had yeah. some sets on this and things, so... But, but the ghostly thing, it, it, it was literally like Garth Marenghi with the floating... Uh, spatulas and yeah. fire extinguishers and things like that at points. Yes. 
So it, it can't be massively high, surely. I don't think it will have been, but I think that's it's it's purposeful as well. Like the, <clears throat> like you say, the effects they did to do things like having toast popping out with an answer written on it, and like having <laughs> wires moving for toasters and like things like that was kind of. It was done on purpose. The um, director during his Q&A and things was saying he was inspired by an article he read about OAPs being groped by ghosts in their nursing home. <laughs> um, and then these two people come to investigate, but they have just like normal jobs. It's like one of them's like a, a waiter and one of them's like a truck driver. But on the weekends, they're paranormal investigators. <laughs> it's like, who the fuck are these people? So he wanted to kind of write a story about that, um, kind of that idea of, what if we did a full film about those shit hauntings, like the ones you see on YouTube where a glass slid off the bar table when no one was there. It's not like, you know, big, scary kind of haunting Amityville and all that lot, like nothing insane. Just what about the really shit ones where like your dead wife's just angry so she keeps knocking a donut out your hand? Like what about shit hauntings? Well, if you had a shit haunting? If I had a shit haunting? Yeah, along the, along the lines of... Uh, extraordinary um no i don't think uh really nothing i had two you had two shit hauntings what are your shit hauntings um i was hella late to work one day and i got called into my boss's office and he stopped the bollocking halfway through because his calendar moved back and forth behind him oh yeah so this this was a, a nice office buddy that was like stop telling off my friend i like him yeah okay uh, the other one was at a friend's house. Yeah. And me and two mates were like walking around the house and up the stairs. And then the mate at the front stopped because there was something in front of him. Oh. So the two of us weren't really paying attention, walked into the back of each So it other. was like a Three Stooges thing. It was, that like a, was yeah, more yeah. of a haunting That's in the it, end. Yeah. <laughs> I never actually saw what stopped him but it's fine see that sounds more intense like the shit haunting is like definitely just I saw the calendar, calendar. Yeah, I yeah. saw the calendar that happened but that's but that's what's brilliant about it is there was that no is... windows in the office no it was an internal office okay. no wind changes no aircon yeah lift your finger everything check for wind direction nothing yeah. nothing going on I mean that was my first reaction <laughs> what do I do in this scenario right now lick my finger lick my finger get a bollock in <laughs> and now suddenly there's a ghost in the room lick my finger quick <laughs> So, I do think there was definitely just such a good atmosphere for this film. Like, the entire audience were laughing. Everyone left really excited. It was such a tight script, so well put together. Um, Again, kind of these characters and things like that who felt like real people, felt like people you could be invested in who were going through what would cause a lot of people concern in normal circumstances but doesn't seem like it could be worthy of a film but these guys made it a hundred percent worthy of a film like these crap hauntings that aren't you know it's not blood raining down the walls and you know the roof folding in on itself and things like that it's just someone moving your crap about it's just that completely inert Mm. threat wow Thursday afternoon guys that's big words (laughs) completely inert threat that just absolutely carried this film yeah absolutely carried it all the way through the overall implication (laughs) the overall threat in the film Mm. was that what uh, well i think one person might die yeah was that it the the overall threat of 
what could happen the possible outcome did only come down to one person but it became so much more than that because it became kind of a story of rose re-accepting her gifts and things like that mm. like re-acknowledging um her kind of talent as her dad would put it and things so it really did like i honestly think just rose as a character the way she was written it's that kind of there was no stereotype to her um it was nice to see someone who was played as more of the funny lead and things like that instead of having to be a damsel in distress or having to be a badass kind of thing like she was she was amazing in her own right without having to be you know, like a, a ripped sarah connor or a kind of disney princess <laughs> i think she, she was still putting nails throughout it mm. there, were, there were moments where she was a damsel there were moments where she kind of built upon that even even towards the end where yeah. you know ultimately there was a face-off a boss battle mm-hmm. and you know she she wasn't necessarily the most confident in that no so uh, it's an interesting dynamic um throughout the film and one that is just standout hilarious. Yeah. As the entire weekend, this film is absolutely genius. Oh. And the my favourite scene uh, involves a wheelie bin. Oh, the wheelie bin scene. It is. I think this is one that will either flop completely anywhere but the UK or will really just nail it by having that kind of over you know, I mean British sensibility that sometimes does work really well overseas and things. Um but yeah, the jokes are just it. You you left this. You left the screening so happy. Like we went to the usual, the lion's den, have a pint, regroup. You know, um, and everyone was smiling. Everyone was well, beaming. Um, that one guy, I can't remember his name. He's gone out of my head completely. I could picture him, mm-hmm. but uh, he genuinely came out of the the showing. Said to the person that was collecting the ballots, "You may as well close the box on this yeah. because this film was won." Yeah, close the audience choice. Everybody, yeah, look audience at the audience. Awards. Everybody has chosen this film. Yeah. It is a fact. It was so, just so beautifully put out there. And this was definitely one that managed to nail that kind of horror comedy. And I'm so glad it was in there. Like, right right in the middle, kind of giving yeah. us that... Perfect carrying film. Yeah. Giving but, us that boost again. But not again. one that should be ignored. No. Absolutely. If you can find this film anywhere and, oh, and you God. can get well, it available to you, make sure you get your chops around it. It's on DVD pre-order at the moment uh, for the 25th of October. Uh, again, as with Tales from the Lodge, I'm not sure if this is just UK because obviously my Amazon is UK, um, but that means that it should be available. So I think this is this is one that 100 I want on my shelf. Like I want it oh, yeah, on my DVD we're shelf. This film. Yeah, DVD, That's... Blu-ray. I'd say 4K HD, but I have no way of playing it. <laughs> my eyes are that bad. It makes no difference anyway. No, I think 4K and glasses just becomes <laughs> an oxymoron. <laughs> yeah, pointless. Um, but yeah, that was definitely such a standout film. And again, for, I think this, um, kind of feature debut, uh, really want to watch these, uh, the director's kind of two short films and things, but for a feature debut, knocked it right out of the park. Smashed it. Smashed, Smashed it. it. What kind of rating did we give it? Okay. Shockingly, this is a twist of events. It got a five. <laughs> did, did I give it a five? You also gave it a five. I gave it a five. It was a five. It was a worthy five. There was no wiggle room around that five. It nailed it. Smashed the entire weekend. Yeah. Brilliant film. Okay. We followed that on. Ten past nine we're at now. Long weekend. Long week. Lots of films. Very enjoyable. But let's open back into our theme. Alex fell asleep. Did I? <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I fell asleep. 
So, Ten Past Nine was the UK premiere of The Shed. Oh, yeah, The Shed. The yeah, Shed? I remember that, yeah. Yeah. It was a good film. Had <laughs> a shed in it. There was actually a shed. This wasn't like a metaphorical name. There was an actual shed in this film. I mean, the budget for this must have been like five quid. <laughs> I don't think the budget's the issue here. All right, the story. Yeah, must I have think... cost them five quid. But So this is um, Frank Sabatella, who has done a couple of films... Um, he did uh, Blood Night, The Legend of Mary Hatchet. He's done a couple of shorts, Night of the Pumpkin, things like that. Um, so there's been... He's, he's done films prior to this. And The Shed is basically kind of a teenage story. A young... Well, a teenage orphan, technically, living with his granddad, um, who is... Abusive? abusive. yeah. Well, yeah, kind of verbally... Did we ever see any abuse? It was more, more like a... Verbal and threatening, mentally, yeah. yeah. Mentally abusive. Well, this Physi- is not a physical abuser. I don't, I don't think, think he had the capability so. of being no. physical abuse. I know that. Ba- well, to kind of just jump into the thing that annoyed me is he was a stock character. He was granddad Vietnam. You know, I fought in the military, and you kids today don't know that you were born. And re- call me Sarah and respect me, and very much just that guy that you see in, like, do you know what I mean? That kind of tropey character who's not very nice. Absolutely to the teenage boy that he's taken in. Um, so this guy, um, Stan... Did his dad die or something? Or his mum Both died? of his parents died. Yeah, in a crash? Yeah, so he was left so Again, to... a very tropey... Yes, the orphan who... You know I mean, it's a Harry Potter under the stairs. It's, yeah, it's you know, it's, like... it's every Disney film. You're not allowed yeah. to have parents, yeah. is the kind of thing, isn't it's it? It's just an easy write-off. Yeah, it just means you don't have to worry about that, because yeah, if no one gives right. a shit about the character, you can get away with more stuff. Yeah. Um... But yeah, so Stan and his best friend, Dama. Dama. They pronounce it strange, but I think it's Dama. I think it's Dama, isn't it? Dama. We'll go with Dama. Um, so yeah, him and his best friend are regularly bullied at school, again, by... I could be wrong, I'm not going to say it as fact necessarily, but I just don't feel like the group of bullies that pin you down and beat you up and, do you know what I mean, that like knock your books out of your hand... That feels very it chapter one, not it chapter two. Do you know, like that's still a very eighties bullying trope. Whereas I don't think that's how bullying in the modern world works anymore. Like, if your kid comes home and they've been beaten up, it's not just going to be I'll go talk to their parents. That that's not how the world works anymore. I, I'm struggling to remember that probably because I was asleep. Mm. But I remember the bully, or what was in inverted commas, the bully being part of the later Marvel development of the film is that his name? Marvel Marvel so yeah I think Marvel it just says Marvel Marvel's like the leader of that and he's got his two little cronies so it very much is it, like it just it, it didn't make sense to no. me no his, his entire I mean there was no arc he was just no your stock bully bully stock early 90s late 80s mm. bully like as you say stealing your lunch money yeah just that just, kind of it felt to to me like that stereotypes kind of done mm. dusted yeah all right it exists as a stereotype but i'm fairly confident it doesn't exist in the world anymore and that might just be me being blinkered and being mean, older now but i'm now trying to think whether this was set in the 80s is that maybe i don't think it was clear that it was but it wasn't it was. yeah nothing made it super clear so to me i was just reading it as modern that, yeah all right he, he was in the war but 
in the war, Vietnam, Vietnam, 80s? I think that's what... Uh, that was... 70s, 80s, is that Vietnam War? No, I think it was 60s. Was it 60s? But even so, this guy is like 90. Yeah, so it's still 100%. There's still people who fought in the... It's not like World War One. We're not getting to that point where we no, wouldn't believe you exist. Like, 19... that you're still... Oh, 1955 to 1975. Okay, so, so I'm just trying to think, like work out the timeline like that mm. he would be like to actually work out whether that would be feasible for it to be in the 80s because he, he was he was comfortably 80 odd years old a, yeah he was a grandfather who's had two kids whose kids who's had a kid whose kid has had a kid so i mean he couldn't have been in vietnam in his 50s could he and that would no. equate to him being 50 in 1955 so I think that's... So if, if he was, say, 20 in 1955, assuming that he's at the start of Vietnam, which is mm. where he said he was, then the 80s is supposed to be 55, 60 years old, which, to me, he was appearing 20 years older than that, easily. Easily 20 years older than that. Yeah, I don't... Like I say, I can't fully remember it. That's 60-odd, 65, 66. And, you know... Nowhere near the kind of level of no. age that, that, that this, this was, was representative. So representing. Yeah, so I that's for me. I put it as being modern time sort of thing. That's what I mean. And and in that regard, you you look back at the whole um, view of the bully, the relationship between mm. the bully and the nerd, if you want to call it that. Yeah, the head, the, Mosher, the, the weird kids, weird one. Yeah. It just doesn't really correlate. No. None of it does. That was... It, it does kind of... That was what confused me was it just felt like let's throw these stock characters into this quite stocky situation. And kind of going through the film without spoiling it. So obviously those two are friends. Um, they like to skip school and go drink beers on this abandoned couch and things like that. Um, and the real things hit in when um, Bane... So I think this is Mr. Bane, but Bane uh, is bitten. So the cat from the Batman films. The cat. Yeah. Bane, Bane cat. Bane cat. <laughs> yes, that is him. Um, but basically, kind of, this guy is bitten. Like right at the beginning, first five minutes, you're shown um, a proper, again, kind of old school vampire effect. Second time we've had this, like Salem's Lot, Nosferatu style Nosferatu vampire. And the guy who's bit, Bane, ends up in the in Stan's shed at the end of his garden. Uh, can't come out because of the sunlight. So we've got old school traditional cannot be in the sunlight vampire sort of thing. Um, when the boys realise this, it then becomes kind of a moral decision of what do we do with the monster in the shed? And that is not... That's I'm literally looking at the description here and the, the, um, the last kind of bit is... Uh, when Stan discovers a murderous creature has taken refuge inside his tool shed, he tries to battle the demon alone until Dahmer comes up with a far more sinister plan. So that's not spoilers that they decide to do something with that. But that takes a long time to happen. There is a lot of lead up before that happens. And then when it finally does happen, it's kind of very anticlimactic. Quite worse. Yeah, a little bit of a... Cushion. I mean, for me, it was pretty quick because I fell asleep <laughs> in a bit where nothing happened. And, and woke, woke up. up and something was happening. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but that is not the best advert for a film. No, it was It was pretty, it was pretty slow. Um, it was though, extremely slow. But also, again, and we're going to, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but just this idea of tone. 
if it wanted to be a deep dive Donnie Darko look at this poor teenage angst ridden soul and kind yeah, of writer. <laughs> this well well just decide what you want this alienated teenager but if it wanted to do that it could have done that but instead it also decided to throw in moments that were very campy moments that kind of led us to think it could be this kind of over the top tongue in cheek bit I mean were you awake for the satanic sluts bit no I feel like you would have remembered it okay so he had a poster a satanic sluts bit that's ridiculous how sad are we now devastated so I have to get on DVD (laughs) but it's like there's a moment where a poster comes to life and it's satanic sluts and it's corsets and a cape and yeah it might be a teenage boy's fantasy but in a film like this it had entirely no it had entirely no place is it questionable that this teenager alright yeah we had the 80s the 90s where Teenagers were played by 30 year olds, mm. but they seemed to get away with it because the thing at the time was not muscle mass. So, yeah, strong so people were actually like spindly people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, whereas now, teenagers have to be played by like 12 year olds because <laughs> we is, don't believe it otherwise. Yeah, it's just completely unbelievable. And, I don't and yet, know in how this, th- they must have gone with someone that was 20 something um... to, to kind of get him to some sort of level because it, it wasn't believable for me. I don't know. Um, His mannerisms, his attitude, it just didn't seem... No. Um, So, J.J. Warren is his name. Um, And he was Stan. Is it going to give me an age? I do apologise. He was born in 2000. He is 19. Really? Mm -hmm. Wow. Didn't believe him as a teenager. But but I think, again, like the Donnie Darko thing, he's meant to be this anguished teen. He's meant to be this kind of broken heart to be fixed and things like that but then you get scenes where his poster comes to life and uh, he he gets to see the corseted lady in a cape being all sexy and it kind of just made me uncomfy I was like it's almost as if you've done the edit already and gone you know we've not included boys tits and like it just but if it was going to be that kind of film if it wanted to do that all the way through because like you say the old school throwback vampires this kind of 80s bully thing then do that be your own kind of self-aware b-movie from the 80s Own it. absolutely Own it. love that stuff i'm a, i'm all on board for that but yeah this kind of and again that, Didn't know that what it was, did it? no and that bit I, uh, i'm not saying like oh there was female sexuality in it and yeah you know, it, it's more just it felt so unnecessary and so out of the tone of what was going on oh yeah <laughs> should have nudged you then should i <laughs> I wake him up at all the wrong parts. uh, You did the right thing, just nudging me when it was finished. Yeah. So, I just, I wasn't sold on it. As I say, this, we've we've ripped into this one a little bit more, and I think that's just because it could have... Unintentionally, actually. Yeah. I I didn't set out to have this opinion. No, and we've just egged each other on to be (laughs) really wanky about it. However, yeah, but it was But it wasn't great. great. No. Um, It kind of, yeah, just couldn't settle on tones as I say as with every film there was something redeemable there was something good in layers of it I like the shed the shed was well designed again (laughs) shut up I thought you meant like the actual concept of that like the having a monster who's trapped in a shed good concept I think it's just getting this is sometimes where like the shed was made out of particularly strong wood it looked like a good shed particularly strong wood shut up I'm trying to see this, but I just winked. Uh-huh. This is also getting cut. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I just... 
there was there was some potential there in the story, but like we've said about a couple of these, it's knowing the difference. And it's not just horror films that do it. There's a whole heap of like other genre films that do it where you take a paragraph like concept and say, right, feature film it. And it doesn't have the legs to feature film. It has the legs for a good short film. It has the legs to be part of an anthology. It has the legs to be a, a an episode of a TV series. But it doesn't have the legs to justify even the 86 minute runtime that this was. Not the greatest fan of The Shed, which is what resulted in a three score from me. Do you and remember? also a three score. You did also three score it. Again, we're not filmmakers, so I hate the idea. Like, It feels fine to be a bit shitty about film, big films in the theatre and stuff like that, because it's like, ah, you got the backing. Um, don't worry about it. I don't think it's going to get to a cinema in here anybody no. soon. Well, it is getting certain cinema releases. Really? It, yeah. Wow. And it will be Extraordinary on... Extraordinary is not. No, that's Travesty. Just... Travesty. But, oh, we didn't mention Extraordinary. They did mention maybe a TV series, though, because that's what oh, we're saying. That would be some perfect yes. BBC Three stuff right there. Unbelievable. Like, so I'd rather do that, because... I'm going to buy it on DVD anyway. But again, back to The Shed, it will be getting a digital release on November 15th. So you can watch it. Let us know if we're entirely wrong and, you know, maybe it was set in the 80s and maybe there is some credence to it. But yeah, just a bit of a bit of a whoopee cushion. Bit of a wet lettuce, as you said. So that was the end of our Saturday night. Um, We kind of... We, we looked at The Wretched Um which was oh, yeah. a northern premiere. Uh, I feel like it's we've heard some good stuff about it. We have, yeah. Uh, which makes it really disappointing. But as the theme goes, once once my lovely Alex has fallen asleep, we, we don't force you to watch another film because it would just be pointless. Yeah, I'd be snoring throughout it. Yeah. So we, were, we ended up across at the lion's den as usual i think we ended the night on a couple of pints and a chat with a few others who were oh, doing the yeah. same as us this was the one where we were gonna go back in wasn't it yeah and then we got chatting to people and ended up and with another pint in our hands yeah i think that's because that's got to be part of it as well is yes you're here to see all this new cinema and to watch things that you don't get the opportunity to watch all the time but at the same time it's and it's exactly what uh, one of the people we were talking to said. This is one of this is our time to be the people stood outside of a pub having this type of conversation, and where the majority were no longer the minority in the corner going, "Did did you see the kill scene? Did you love the gore? What about the blood splatter?" And there's someone in the other corner already with the police on like speed dial going, "Jesus, these people are weird." Um, so it was our time to like fly fly high that freak flag. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was. Um, I think that was one of the most enjoyable parts of the weekend. Certainly was the. The camaraderie, the friendship that was mm. there. We didn't know other than Kenneth. I, I don't yeah. think, and I don't know him. You know, you, you knew him from university, yeah. um, which was a few years ago now. Yeah. But, Watch yourself. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah. the last time you saw him was the year before at yes. Grimfest. So these are people that either you don't see very regularly or have never met before. No. And yet it feels perfectly acceptable to mm. have a conversation about murdering somebody or you know yeah. not directly because that's the wrong statement but no. in the tv show or the film that you're watching you know do you think this person should have died or, and know, yeah. yeah what was going on there in this scenario I so it, it was interesting and a lot more appealing than i think the last film of the day it's certainly being outside in the fresh air yeah awake for a little bit longer i think that's the thing there's only so long you can do and so we'd we'd racked up the shorts the short films and then done what um 
three feature length films and things and you do you start feeling a little bit cabin fever-esque so well you can still consider that we had a full week before that of work we've yeah. done two nights up until about what 11 o'clock yeah and well, then, you had, I just yeah. honestly, about <laughs> You got some power naps in. Yeah. And of course, this wasn't the end. There was still Sunday. We there still was had still a day. Sunday. And, and Sunday had some exciting things lined up for us. So many good intentions. As oh. early as we could, we paid for a taxi. Yeah. We never pay for taxis. We paid for a taxi. <laughs> Let's get a taxi home because we're we're gonna get up and we're gonna really rock Sunday. We're gonna be there and do it all. And no spoilers. You'll have to find out if we did that in the next episode. <laughs> yeah, that was our Saturday at Grimfest. Grimfest. Um, and we're going to sign off now because I, th- I think that's enough. Again, don't want to force you into three-hour episodes. We're, we're not quite there with uh, viewership yet. <laughs> but we've got to keep it fresh, keep it clean, keep it... Well, yeah, keep talking. I mean, yeah. last time I fell asleep, so... It's true. It's very true. There's, I guess there's a, there's a common commonality to all of this. So we're going to wrap it up there. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed our part two of Grimfest Review. Um, If you're interested in finding out any more or keeping a track of the podcast and things, you can find all of the posts at bombshellsandblueshells.com. You can subscribe and listen to us at the moment, I believe, through Anchor, Spotify and Podbean. We're, We're in the reviewing stages for some other platforms, but those are the ones that has got nailed down so far and if you would like to ask us anything talk to us let us know what you thought of any of these films you can catch me on twitter at the blue shells or facebook and instagram at bombshells and blue shells how about you and my twitter is at 32bit fives and my instagram is the same 32 bit fives it is anyway if we've got any of these wrong just check the show notes because they'll be correct in there (laughs) i have been including them because we are bad at this like i said episode five maybe we'll we'll get there eventually but from us that is good night 32 bit fives 32 bit fives but again thank you for listening please do all the lovely things like rate review subscribe all of that But for us, that is good night. Good night.